Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of A Carol or a Cause. Um, this week, our episode title is Cultivating Culture in Chaos. And um, as we go through this section of the book, Carson, Alyssa, Elizabeth, and I, Tim, will be attempting to share our information that we've learned from this uh, life-altering book, Joy of the World, written by Greg Forrester. This book focuses on the question, can the church regain its cultural influence? And throughout the book, uh, we learn that the key to cultural transformation is something that we might not expect. Uh, it is the explosive spirit-produced joy that we find in God and his gospel. So part three is titled, He Comes to Make His Blessings Flow. And throughout this section, Forster says, Unlike animals, human beings are different. We don't live by instinct. We have to be carefully taught how to live. This means that we have to think about how we live. We build our structures for social life just like animals, but unlike animals, we are aware of them as social structures. We think rationally about how things are, and we think morally about how things ought to be. So throughout the next few different sections of the book, Forster dives into this discussion by focusing on three aspects of human behavior and life. Um, the first being sex and family, and then work and economy, and finally, citizenship and community. And now Carson is going to talk about the first section, sex and family. Yes, I am, Tim. And thank you very much for that wonderful introduction for our third and final podcast. Um, just pretty much going right into it, sex and family. So this chapter was one that was kind of more difficult to read, but it's also something that's very important, um, especially for being a young Christian and a young male Christian who um, has a past history of really dealing with um, just kind of being tempted in different sexual ways. Um, but the main way to go through that and get over that is giving it to Christ. And that's something that we're taught at a very young age, but it's also something that we really need to act out in our own lives. Uh, but I first want to start with a little story that Forrester mentions in the beginning of the chapter. And the story is him being on an airplane and he was actually writing the book and he was going to write the chapter sex and family actually. But then he saw this like woman walking down the aisle and she was all dressed, dressed up and looked all whatever wearing fancy clothing or something and she comes down and sits right next to him and he honestly he says that he felt awkward writing this um book in front of her and he says it wasn't like a lust thing but it was more of just like a just something that he felt awkward doing and the only reason for that is is that he was attracted to her and the reason that he was probably attracted to her was the clothing that he was wearing and not for the person that she is, but the way that she looks. And that's sort of the way that that kind of embodies everything that is wrong with the way that our nation and just kind of our culture is perceiving sex, because it's more of just a quick little glance, not really getting to understand and know a person. And you can see that through just various dating apps or just people really just kind of investing their time in their relationships and just kind of throwing like sex out there and just dealing with one night stands or whatever it is. And ultimately that's not for Christ and that's not what Christ wants us to do, but that's more just for us to be selfish. And um, yeah, it's just quite sad to see that, but also it's something that plenty of people deal with and just honestly, it's hard to blame them because of the way that the culture is and just how normal sex is. 
Like, you can get an app, and honestly, you could probably find someone to have sex with that night. And and not not even it doesn't even need to be like the act of having sex it needs to you can even look at like pornography for example and just how accessible that is to anyone and everyone or just like the clothing that people wear on social media it's just everywhere and it just gets harder and harder for us christians to kind of be a light in this world for like the way sex really needs to be and the way that christ really wants us wants sex to be acted out and to be honest, it's kind of like quite uh, contradictory because if you think about it, like Christ made us like these sexual beings who needs relationships, who needs relationships. And it's funny to see how even though Christ gives us these desires, like we're also supposed to hold back on it until we're like in our mid 20s and married or early 20s and married. And um, it's just one of those things. That is kind of under, hard to understand, but it's also one of those things as Christians that we need to do that kind of just show the difference between the secular world and, Christ, and the Christian world. And for us as Christians, being able to overcome our desires and give them to Christ and not become selfish beasts, like pretty much just doing as we please, just being tamed and being wise. And um, the true art of knowing someone is someone who has discipline and being disciplined starts with sexual disciplines because it's one of the hardest ones to deal with and i honestly you could probably ask anyone girls i don't exactly understand all how girls would be for, for men and it's one of those things that you'll probably always deal with but the only way you can overcome that is giving it to christ and moving forward with the understanding of what you know to be true and yeah but i just want to mention this one quote from forrester and it's it's right here it's stated on page 184 but um, we must understand what we really want. And the thing that we ultimately want and need is not sex, but being admired. And most people think that they find that through constant one-night stands or relationships for only physical needs. But you find that not through those needs, but through a spiritual connection. And the key word to think, look at there is being admired. And um, yeah, honestly, that makes complete sense if you look at just the way that the world is looked. The, the world is viewing sex and it's honestly people just want to be noticed and it's quite sad because christ noticed us and that's something that forrester um, show examples throughout this chapter is that we don't need other people to be admired or we don't need sex or we don't need pornography to feel important we need christ and that's something that um as young christians that we need to really understand but yeah that's pretty much all i have to say on this really more just kind of awkward and difficult chapter to read and talk about but yeah yeah Carson uh really good thoughts on the topic of sex and family I thought you made some great points here but I want to make a point about the clothing one because I thought that was pretty interesting um clothing that people are wearing today is very sexualized and immodest on a lot of people but as Christians we should be the ones that are setting the example and to be honest, I don't think that we honestly are. Um, over this quarantine, I downloaded TikTok out of boredom, and I'm coming to realize that it has a pretty negative influence on our culture today. Uh, the amount of songs and dances that are trending can be viewed as sexual. I don't know how many fellow TikTokers are out there, but it is so easy to just scroll through without even considering it as a negative influence on our lives. 
The way we dress, either modestly or immodestly, shows who we are and portrays to other people what kind of person we really are. If they don't know who we are, then the only thing they see is the clothing we are wearing. So we must be cautious of this as we are walking in the light of the gospel. Yeah, Alyssa, that's a great point. And honestly, um, I downloaded TikTok for about two weeks. And it's one of those things that you download for a joke and you're like, oh, this is dumb. Why did I download TikTok? But um, it is such an addictive app, but also it's such an app where like you can just fall into the temptation of just like constantly viewing these dances and dances or whatever it is. And it's quite sad. And I, I deleted the app about a month, month ago and I keep myself from redownloading it. But um, yeah, it's just such one of those things that it's not needed, but also it's just such a fun, like little thing to have. But yeah, thank you very much, Alyssa. And that's all I have to say for takeaway one. And let's move on to takeaway two, work and economy from our very own Elizabeth. Thank you. Um, so part two of this last section of Joy for the World is work in the economy. And Forster defines work as everything we do to serve people and make the world a better place. Work is not a product of the fall, although it has been corrupted by sin with the rest of creation, but it was intentionally designed by God from the beginning for humanity. Forster continued, God wants human beings to serve and bless one another, so he designed us such that serving others and making the world a better place, working, is what we do most of the time. Our desire to work is part of the image of God in us. It's intrinsic to our most basic nature, and this is the reason it gives us so much fulfillment in life. Even if we aren't working our dream job, we are contributing something and being productive by utilizing the skills God has given to us. Our work is to be authentically productive, according to Forster, by improving the world around us through the services we provide and the products we produce. There is a tendency to dismiss work as something that gets us a paycheck, but that does us a disservice as it belittles God's creation. We have uh, have the power to change the world around us through our work, and to ignore or misuse that power is an affront to our very humanity. Forrester included the word authentically in his definition of work intentionally. Just as we dismiss work to a position of necessary but mundane, there are also those who selfishly misuse work for their own gain. I think there's no better example of this than the current practices of news and journalism to sensationalize the COVID-19 pandemic. While social media is well known to be a hive of false news, Legitimate news sources, such as televised news stations and newspapers, are held to a higher standard of integrity where they are expected to report the truth without additional flair or embellishment. However, many of them are doing the exact opposite. The reporting exaggerates the state of the pandemic, which has led to mass hysteria as people stock up on toilet paper and groceries uh, and lashing out at all those around them. While this pandemic is certainly a serious situation, it does, require, does not require the sensationalism that has led to much of the current insanity surrounding us. God designed our work to help those around us and improve the state of the world. By sensationalizing the pandemic for the sake of more clicks, subscriptions, and ad revenue, journalists and newscasters are doing the exact opposite as they exploit the fear of those around them for their own gain. We need to make sure that our work does not harm others as much as that power rests in our hands and strive to make creation better through every workday. Such work is not meant to be easy, but we have the triune God supporting us every step of the way and through his power we can certainly find the time and energy to be authentically productive elizabeth thank you for your thoughts on just working productive and how forcer describes it throughout this chapter um i definitely agree with you on the current state of our news media with everything going on with COVID 19 
Um, it's crazy to hear how certain um, news outlets are taking advantage of the situation, really, um, for their own gain and promotion of their own sites. Uh, Forrester defines work as everything we do to serve people and make the world a better place and calls work an essential element of human dignity. And just a question that I've been thinking about um, just is how or if these news outlets could be doing a better job in serving people during this time and being, as Forrester says, authentically productive. I've had that same question. Um, I honestly think the best thing they could be doing is holding off on reporting a lot of news until it's confirmed whether it's accurate or not. I mean, there's a whole medication that's gone out of stock because the news hyped it up to be this miracle cure for the virus. And we don't even know if it works. But now there are people who actually need it to survive who can't get it for months. Um, Mm. My aunt is one of them. And so I think they can just show some discretion, some patience, and they can also focus on the good that's still happening in the world and show their those stories rather than all the death tolls and all the negativity around the pandemic. Yeah, that's so true. Thanks, Elizabeth, for um, just sharing that and making sure that uh, we too ourselves are checking, uh, fact checking these news sources that we hear and just making sure that we don't um, panic over this fake news that we've been receiving too. Just keeping um, God just in the focus in this time right now, as it is a scary and just confusing time that we're living in. Um, but thank you, yeah. Elizabeth. Thank you. All right. Alyssa is now going to cover takeaway three, citizenship and community. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth and Tim, for sharing your thoughts on work and economy. Um, I'm going to get into citizen- citizenship and community. Forrester mentions that citizenship should look like generous neighborliness in everyday life, not just voting. As believers, we can show we want to live in a society where non-Christians are valued just the same by being a good neighbor, not one of treating others with forced generosity. It is going out into the community to look for needs, not just being a good citizen by voting. I know the community I live in now, which is a little town in Mannheim, is so close-knit. During this time, I love how my community has been com- has been coming together to support one another. Um, somebody came up with a Facebook group page called Mannheim Central COVID-19 Community Support Group. In this group, people post updates on what stores have uh, in stock and how they can help others, questions related to the town during this time. It's a great way to help others in need, and it's amazing to see the community come together in a time of need. But... What has been even more incredible is the ways that the local churches have helped out during this time. My church, for instance, has created what we call banana boxes. These banana boxes consist of 40-pound food boxes to those that are in need of food during this time. Something else I recently saw is a cafe in my town that gave out free Easter meals. I know that there's several restaurants that did this. Um, but this one cafe in particular had a limited amount of food that they wanted to do something special for the community with. And they had a worship pastor from a local church sit outside the cafe and sing worship songs to welcome the guests on Easter who were receiving these meals. Um, these are just a few ways that the church is re- reaching out during this time. But through this generous neighborliness, like Forrester mentions, we may form a stronger community and come together. Wow, Alyssa, your examples of genuine and selfless citizenship in Mannheim are amazing to hear about. 
Uh, I live on the border of Mannheim and Lidditz, and it's astounding to hear how these two communities are going out of their way to help those around them. Uh, I grew up in a tiny college town in western New York, and nothing of this magnitude would ever have occurred there. It was a very selfish and individualistic, very secular area, and no one would have ever thought to go help those around them in this way. Um, it's in honestly incredible now that I live here in Lancaster County to see the culture come together uh, to support one another uh, in this time of crisis rather than just holding down the fort and caring only about themselves. Yeah, and I, I think it is something about the culture here in Lancaster, too, because I've definitely noticed that. Um, I mean, I've lived in Mannheim my whole life, but uh, just the small businesses, for instance, like they're they're the ones that are hurting during this time because they're not open, but they're the ones like reaching out to the community and asking how they can help. So it's amazing to see them because they're financially hurting, but also they're reaching out and helping as well. Wow. All right, so we're going to move on to Carson now, and he's going to give a little application to how you can apply uh, sex and family. Thank you, Alyssa. And great points, um, you two, and the two other takeaways. But yeah, going into the first takeaway from the sex and family, I first want to mention a little bit about myself, that um, I'm, at, I'm in a serious relationship and soon to be engaged one, actually. And uh, my girlfriend and I, we both decided, um, obviously we decided as Christians, but we um, are doing our best with boundaries and not only that, but staying celibate throughout dating and then even engaged. And um, what's quite weird is when I tell people that, some people that whether I, at my secular work or whatever, they're like, oh, wow. They're like, that's weird. And then other people are like, oh, wow, good for you two to be able to be able to like tame that. But just having that thought of people not only judging us, but feeling judged from just our decision is kind of just different to see. And um, it's quite sad, honestly. And obviously people have their own are allowed to have their own decisions. But um, the the conversation of sex shouldn't be a big old deal. It should be pretty plain and simple um, that it should be in. The, it should just be for Christ and to glorify him and that won't happen until the new heavens and new earth, but uh, we'll see. But I just do want to end my application with a quote. And this quote is, who you are here is who you are everywhere. And that quote is one that you can just think of, and whether that is you're dealing with sexual sins or pornography or whatever it is. And just like who you are, like when no one's looking, is ultimately who you are when you're with a group of people. And just remember that as you move forward with your life. And yeah, thank you. Let's move on with takeaway two application from Elizabeth. Thank you. Um, so as many of us are stuck at home self-isolating, and some of us, like myself, may be out of work entirely, it's a perfect time to practice self-evaluation on our current work situation. Are we being authentic authentically productive in our work? Are we bettering those around us, or are we doing the bare minimum to earn our paycheck? Although being authentically productive may sound draining, on top of being extra work you may not get paid for, Consider how simply going the extra inch rather than extra, the extra mile might improve your attitude about work and the culture of your workplace as a whole. Find the little things you can do to bless those around you that don't require you to go out of the way. If you know someone will need something cleaned and you happen to be at the sink, take care of it. If you're going to make copies and know a coworker will need copies made for a meeting that afternoon, take the initiative to do it for them. These little things are 
just that, little and mundane. But multiplied over days, weeks, months, and years of work, they have the effect of changing the culture around you and your own mentality to become naturally, authentically productive. Great thoughts, Elizabeth. Um, Here's a little takeaway from the last section. Um, Despite the differences of everyone within the community, we have to make the decision to come together, practicing good citizenship. Through scripture and biblical teaching, we may see what citizenship and community are really for by reminding us of the truth of scripture. So we may support one another within our communities and lift others up around us, regardless of where they stand with the Lord. I encourage you as you're going about your day today, may you look for the needs in your community, the ones that aren't typically met. Treat, Treat others with respect and play fair. Work with your neighbors in generous ways, solving problems and making the community better while doing it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for just your thoughts and application for citizenship and community. And now as we start to conclude up this um, third and final podcast, I'd like to just go through um, just what we've learned and discussed throughout this whole series. Um, So in the beginning of this book by Forrester, is part one, which is let men their songs employ. And so this kind of deals with the question of how can Christianity begin the process of rebuilding its influence in American society? And throughout um, that section, Forster talks about Christianity and the great American experiment and also the church in the world. And then in part two, we discussed um, what... Uh, the section that Forster titles, Let Earth Receive Her King. So throughout this section, uh, he talks about three different types of Christians. So there's like the prophet, priest, and king. And those three um, can be defined as uh, doctrine, teaching and preaching, devotion, worship, and spiritual formation, and then stewardship, which is calling and discipleship. And then that leads us to the third and final um, section, which we discussed today, which is he comes to make his blessings flow. And this talks about the social nature of human beings through, as we discussed, sex and family, work in the economy, and then citizenship and community. And so also with everything going on with COVID-19 in the world right now, it is crucial um, that the church right now really build up its influence in American society. With so much confusion and unknowns, people are searching for pretty much anything to cling to for hope or just to make them feel better. And what better thing to cling to than the joy of God? Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us as we explored this book the past couple of months. And we hope that you learned as much from Forcer as we did. And I'm going to conclude with just a quote that he includes at the beginning of this book um, from Isaac Watts's Joy to the World. He rules the world with truth and, truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Thank you very much. See ya.